1: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: All righty, hour number two of our radio program. That's right, it is the Zach Gelb Show, coast-to-coast on CBS Sports Radio, coming up on Saturday, October 7th. Make sure you check it out. It's Lights Out Extreme Fighting. And, of course, the man that runs the league is Sean Merriman, former All-Pro linebacker, kind enough to join us once again in studio. Sean, always great to see you. Thanks for coming in. How are you?
3: I'm doing well, my man. How about yourself?
2: Well, I'm doing fantastic. So I saw the video that you put out right after the Aaron Rodgers injury and your career towards the end of it. You had an Achilles injury as yeah. well. I-, I can't even imagine the-, the pain that that is when you have the Achilles injury. And it was almost as if when you saw Rodgers, he was in a state of shock. and He stands up, tries to walk, knows he can't, just goes down and he knew that was it.
3: Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing with the injury, uh, especially with the Achilles, is that people don't know how important it is until you tear it. Right? You think of this little ligament that's back there, you're not thinking about it. And then the next thing you know, when you do tear it, your foot drops. And so when he stood up the first time, it was, he didn't know. Yeah. It, it, it literally feels like someone MMA kicked you in the back of your calf. And when he stood up, I'm sure he looked around to find out who kicked him because it's a pain like someone kicked you. And when he took, tried to take that first step, is when he went back down to the ground. That's when you know you officially, you officially tear it. You know, I mean, even Kobe Bryant when he tore his, he would, you know, still got to the line to, uh, to the foul line and shot a couple of free throws. So it's not as bad as a quarterback. Taron is, it's, more, it's worse for a defensive guy or a guy that has to change direction and explode. I think Aaron Rodgers would be fine and come back from it. But it is, it is the worst injury, in my opinion, to come back from.
2: Now, no one wants their career to end on an injury. But when you get up there in age, like the competitor says, I got to get back on the field. But then also probably the human side of you go, oh, do I really want to go through all this crazy rehab to get myself back in game shape. What was that like process for you when you were going through recovering from the injury? Because you still have to recover, even yeah. if you're gonna play football or not. Well, the
3: the physical part of it is is not so bad. You know it's long, it's grueling, um, you know, a lot of getting the tissue out, getting that strong again, and feeling normal. The the hardest part of that injury is the mental aspect when you come back. Because what caused you to tear it and pop it as he did, or anybody to pop their Achilles. Now that's in back of your head, if I push off of this thing again, is it going to pop again? That's the hardest thing. So when I came back, I actually was fine physically. I felt normal. Now when I, when I say normal, you're never going to have that explosion back as you were. A lot the, the Achilles is one of the ones you don't bounce back from as the same. You just I don't care who you are, no one does. It, it was a mental part of it that going out, pushing, turning, having an offensive lineman is 330 plus pounds pushing it on you at the same time as you're bursting. So in your head, you're thinking the whole time that if I do something wrong here, push the wrong way, is this thing going to pop on me again? He's going to have a, a a mental battle to get back on the field first before the, the physical kick in.
2: And, and it's a great point that you bring up because I always say it with quarterbacks. When I, I know it's a different injury, but whenever it's ACL, the quarterback comes back and he's like good when he comes back from the ACL injury. But you don't see him get back to that great level <laughs> until a full year after it because – that mental side of it is what people really don't understand and, and figure out.
3: Oh yeah, I mean, every, you, you try not to go out and think about it, um, but especially how he tore here is with someone get on the you know behind him, jumping on his back and him fully extending his leg. Now, when you pop your Achilles, most of the time it pops from your heel bone. It detaches. That's what when it rolls back up into your mm-hmm. calf, it pops. And so you're going to be thinking, hey, the next time someone jumps on my oh. back. Is that thing going to go? So that the the mental aspect is what he's really going to have to work on to get himself back going again.
2: Sean Merriman here with us in studio. will of course, talk about the new card they have coming up for Lights Out Extreme Fighting. Uh, so we were sitting here watching some highlights on, on NFL Network, and the Packers come up on a bunch of uh, stations right now in Wisconsin. You go, I've been really impressed with that kid in Jordan Love. What has stood out to you so far? That I was wrong. <laughs> you know, that I was wrong you know, because
3: <laughs> – This is my opinion of of Jordan Love. And I know the season, we just started a couple games in, and we've got the season to play on to see how they do for the season. But I always uh, thought that if they didn't find a way to get him on the field that second or third year, then he probably wasn't good enough. They saw something that we didn't see in order to put him on the field because when you draft a guy in the first round, I don't care who's in front of him, you want him on the field as fast as possible or else you go get a wide receiver, a big defensive player, offensive lineman, right? To build up around Aaron Rodgers. I always thought the reason why that happened is because they didn't believe in him. I was wrong. You know, he he's, he's come out, he's firing on all cylinders. They, the, it seems like the team is rallying behind him. You know, he's making some passes that I didn't think that he had in him to make. So, you know, I'm, you'll know, be wrong once in a while, but <laughs>
2: Trust you know? me, I'm, I'm wrong like six <laughs> or seven times a week. Uh, don't worry. No, no one's going to bat a thousand here. Shaw Merriman's here with us. The, the team, Part of it, though, is a big component, and you talk about how the locker room loves him. You know, I also watched two other guys, and like Brock Purdy, right? As Steve Young told me over the summer, he just has like the force there, and the team really believes in him. But I've been impressed as well with Baker Mayfield, where his career was basically over, down, and out. And we just had Levante David on a few moments ago, as, as you know. And it's like that locker room's really believing in, in Baker Mayfield right now. And I don't think that's easy to quickly go into a locker room with all these things that people say about you and win over the locker room that easily.
3: Well, the biggest thing with Baker Mayfield, he has the intangibles, right? A team leader, attitude, he a leader, he, he knows how to be a leader. That's what got him drafted
2: as kind a playoff game?
3: Yeah, that's that's what got him drafted as high as he did because of those intangibles. Um I think there's been a combination of a couple things in Baker Mayfield Baker Mayfield's career is that playing what on a bad team, maybe a bad front office, bad coordinator, not put him in great positions, and also not living up to that expectation of being a number one pick. You know, if Baker Mayfield was a late first round, early second, no one would be complaining. But when you go that number one pick and that high in a draft, the, the expectations for you are unreal. It's almost that you can't reach them no matter how good you play when you're that number one pick. You can't throw any interceptions. You can't turn a ball over. you can't, You got to be this superstar. And if you're not that, you're a failure. If Baker Mayfield went any, anything less, he would be considered a success in the NFL. But the fact is he went so high, he's never going to be able to live up to that expectation of where he got drafted to.
2: I'll tell you the team that I'm most disappointed with through the first two weeks of the season are are your Chargers. Uh, Two close games and they don't find a way to win one of those games. I just I hate to put it all on the coach because it's not all on the coach, but it seems like he's a dead man walking with the Los Angeles Chargers, Brandon Staley.
3: It's not it's not good right now, and you know I'm I'm Chargers through and through. Those are my guys for life. Um, They need to make it. They need to answer quick, and they need to fix what's going on right now. And because with this team that. I'll give Tom Telesco credit for I think he assembled a great team. If you look on paper and every position with these guys, they got an all-pro or or pro bowler or something in every single position. For them to be playing the way they are right now is is unacceptable. It's unexplainable, actually. And I was at the game uh, against Miami, and on defense, they just looked like they were lost. They couldn't line up, calling too many switches last second before the play. It's almost like they had a, a check for a check, right? The offense do something. We check two, three times, and then they're not out playing fast. I was I was fortunate because I came into the NFL with Marty Schottenheim as a head coach and Wade Phillips as the defensive coordinator. I had John Pagano, Greg Minoski. All the, were linebacker coaches, so I, I had great coaches. Sometimes when you have a Derwin James, a Joey Bosa, a Khalil Mack, a J.C. Jackson, uh, Kendricks, all those. You need to let them play football. Let those guys go out there and line up and play football. You can't have a check for a check check um, having those guys out there thinking and not playing fast. Wade Phillips' idea was, hey, you're going to do 80% of what you're great in and 20% of what you're not. We want to keep you out of every position where you can go out and make a play. Right now it just seems that they're lost. And they're not lining up correctly. They're they're slow getting off the ball, and they're just thinking too much instead of going out and playing football. Your team is too good. You have too many good players not to let them go out and play football. And and right now, I can't put a finger on what's going on because if you if your offense can score thirty plus points a game, you should no, you that should you should win eighty percent of your games. If they're going out and and. Of 30-plus points a game, you should win. And the fact is, even in the shootout, if a score was 34-28, right, 34-31, you can't lose those games if your offense is giving you 30-plus points. I know Justin Herbert is going to take, you know, the the, the brunt of – he's the quarterback. He's now. the quarterback. B- big contract. He's the guy. But ultimately, they're giving you 30-plus points a game. The defense has to step up and make things happen.
2: I look at it and we were talking about this yesterday and there's still a lot of the season left. I don't think they're gonna make a change in season and it's two offensive guys, but these were the two. I don't guys I, that don't, I, thought I were- listen,
3: I, I don't I don't see it that way.
2: Oh, you think they could fire Staley in season? I, I
3: think they could. Interesting. I think they could. And because look, at the end of the day it's this is a performance based business and this is from top down this is from the head coach, front office. If the G, if Tom Telesco wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, he you know, they will find a way to to move him. This is a performance-based business. If anyone believes that they're going to sit back and and let what's happening right now continue to happen and no one's job is going to be on the line, it they're wrong. I believe I absolutely believe if this keeps up, they have to make a decision. Um and I don't know what that decision is going to be, who's going to go, who's going to stay. But at the end of the day, when you have this type of team with this group, this talented group, they got to win or they got to make a decision.
2: And the two names that I thought of, and it would be after the season where you would look for the the full-time replacement, it was Jim Harbaugh if he wants to leave Michigan. And then also, what Eric Bienemis doing right now with the Commanders, how many more years is that guy going to go without getting a a head coaching job in this league?
3: Well, I I don't think... Look, he, Eric Benamy, he is making changes right now. We're seeing the full effects of Eric bename's what he brought to that team. Regardless of what the team said, he's being too hard on him, he's too yeah. harsh. But they
2: could use that, this Chargers team. And not, not Stanley's too much of a player's coach, too well, much.
3: Well, it, it's there's nothing wrong with having a player's coach, but you have to perform, right? And so when you have a player's coach and they, they're i 'm not going to say they're not respecting him but in your in your in people's eyes if they're too he's too friendly with them he's too close um that's fine when you're winning games if that's not working then something needs to change and uh you know they got too many veterans on here no and and by the way let me I want to just say this the, the greatest some of the greatest teams I played on the players we ran the team right if a guy wasn't doing what he's supposed to do to play it we fixed that if I wasn't doing what I supposed to do, you had a Sean Phillips, a, 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 a Ladanian Thompson, Lorenzo Neal. They came over and say, "Hey, you can't, you know, miss that tackle, or you can't." So the players have have to be accountable first, and now the coaches just got to sit back and coach.
2: Talking to Sean Merriman right now in the studio. I'm just wondering. You watch a ton of games each and every weekend. There's so many great defensive players in this league, even though the league <laughs> tries to prevent defense yeah. from actually being played. Who's like the one guy that you go, man, that's the best defensive player that that you see in the NFL right now?
3: I think between um, – listen, Micah Parsons. Is a stud. Nick Bosa, I I love Nick Bosa. Um, TJ Watt, the the display he did. I mean, these are great players and beyond great. They're excellent players. Micah Parsons, we haven't seen nothing like that in 15-plus years. We haven't seen – maybe ever. He has a combination of because he's a little shorter, he has this leverage, the speed of a a running back, um the strength of a of a big defensive end. I think we was on the, last year when he humped the, the San Francisco 49ers tackle this 300 plus pounds like a 12 year old kid It
4: was like a rag doll. yeah, yeah.
3: and so and and then too, the final what, what makes Michael Parsons so great is you can line him up anywhere. he doesn't have to come from the left or right side. he can work down the middle of your guard or your center. And when that happens, you can't key on guys like that because you can fan protect slide protect put two guys on them, but you don't know where he's gonna line up so the if you the reason why that defense is playing so well is because he's causing so much havoc that the rest of those guys are doing well and Stefan Gilmore and Diggs on the like they don't have offenses don't have a lot of time to throw the ball this is as a as a pass rusher defensive player, this is the funnest defense to play in because you know as a cornerback they got to get rid of the ball in less than three seconds. He's gonna be sacked. As a uh, as a pass rusher, you got two great cornerbacks that's gonna get after you. That they they can't they're gonna hold the ball pump and and, and you're gonna have some coverage sacks. This, the, right now, on, especially on defense, maybe even on offense, Dallas Cowboys are one of the scariest teams in the in the NFL right now.
2: Talking to Sean Merriman right now. We'll talk about lights out extreme fighting in just a bit. Um, I got to ask you about Coach Prime. I, I love what he's doing at Colorado. It's been so fun. It's been must-watch, right? He made the game up against Colorado State where everyone in the world wants to be there or is tuning in. If you were a recruit right now, would you be like, man, I really want to get recruited by Colorado and join that place?
3: I, I said this um, when he was at Jackson State. Where if if Deion Sanders, prim, Deion Primetime Sanders, as a high school kid comes and sit on your living room couch. Wow. You're going there. You're going there. I mean, even myself as a kid, I, I did the Deion Sanders dance in the backyard. And, you know, this it's Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did that at Jackson State. What's going to happen at Colorado now? You're going to see some, like, five-star guys that would have gone to Ohio State, Alabama, Florida, somewhere that's going to be going to Colorado because they see the eyeballs that he's getting, the viewership, the the, the content that he's posting on social media, the sold-out stadiums, they see that. Now you got primetime Deion Sanders sitting on your living room couch talking to your mom, your dad, and you saying, hey, we we want to get behind you because now he's going to have probably about four or five guys that go to in the top three rounds on that team in the next year or two at least.
2: And here's the thing for me. Everyone talks about, right, the new era with NIL and the transfer portal. And he aces all that stuff. But I think what gets lost here is this is like an old-school football coach, and he'll be the first person to tell that. I think it's in the year of 2023, the mix of both worlds where there's still some old-school traditional values, but then he understands what really pops on social media.
3: Yeah, no no doubt about it. And he's smart because – one of the one of the biggest reasons why I went to the University of Maryland was uh Mike Loxley, who's the head coach there. He mm-hmm. was a running back coach. Um, when I got there, he you know, myself, E. J. Henderson, DeQuell Jackson, all of it, we went there because for the most part, because of Mike Loxley. Now I'm from Maryland, you know, I grew up 20 twenty five minutes from the school, um, and that's home. But what a large part of that was because Mike Loxley, we can all relate to him. He's from the Washington, DC area. They're very relatable to what we know. Deion Sanders is going to be able to relate because he has, you know, kids, younger kids, his his kids play there. So he can relate to those new kids that's coming in there, know what to say, know how to act, but also can draw the line and boundaries and saying I'm 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 the coach and have that respect. So he has this combination of, you know, having his son uh uh junior to run all the social media, the content yeah. is is very, very I mean they they have the it's pro- great it's they, so entertaining. They have the best, in my opinion, they have the best content in in college football right now, because they they really put some money behind it and put a lot of thought in it, so the combination is going to have Dion Sanders winning there for a long time.
2: And here's the interesting part: he said it the other day that he doesn't think he would go coach in the NFL. Yeah. But like, if I'm a college kid, and he brings up a good point, Dion is is one of the great motivators of of all time. If I'm 18, 19 years old, and you hear the messages and the personal stuff that that Dion brings up, Coach Prime. It's like, you, you run through a wall for that guy when you're 18, 19 years old.
3: Yeah, and it would. he said it right because it wouldn't work in the NFL. Yeah. It just wouldn't. Um, and there's nothing, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Some Not,
2: guys are meant for college football. So
3: nothing wrong with that because I think that because of who Deion Sanders is and he's the greatest, you know, one of the greatest players of all time, but if you bring that into an NFL locker room, and kind of stand toe-to-toe with a guy that's making 15, 20-plus million yeah. a year. He has a wife and kids. He has, and then you kind of step to him. These, these adults are not going to look at Deion Sanders as the best football player of all time with a coach. It, they, they're going to feel threatened. And so that's why they're not, it wouldn't work on NFL level. But as college, you're trying, he's trying to mold them into young men. And 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 put them on the right path. He there's nobody better when it comes to that side of it because he can talk NFL level, he can talk college level, and how to the 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 process in order to get there.
2: All righty, before we let you run, the floor is yours, my friend. Lights out, extreme fighting. Another big card coming up Saturday, October seventh. Uh, going in uh, Long Beach, California. What do you got cooking?
3: Yeah, we got a huge fight. Uh, probably our, not. Probably our big. It is our biggest card. A lot of big local fighters in So in SoCal. Uh, former ufc got guy, UFC guys. Albert Morales and uh, Musa uh, Tolliver. You know Albert fought in the UFC for some time. But we're loaded, man, with these next up and coming superstars. So anybody in the Long Beach area, Southern California area, get your tickets at LightsOutXF.com. And if you can't make it there, watch us on Fubo, Fubo TV, Fubo Sports. Um, if you don't have Fubo, get it. This, this one you don't want to miss.
2: When, when you look back at this, like, I don't know if you ever – were you ever nervous before a game? Oh, yeah, every game. Uh, every game. Every game. How about when you're running the show here uh, and I'm, you're walking into arena and you have, everything's out of your control once, once everyone steps in and, and all the chaos. Instances. I'm
3: nervous before every fight.
2: <laughs> you know, in,
3: in fact, uh, I have to work out. Oh, a, oh, yeah, yeah I, work, I work out to kind of drop some of the nerves because – You run in the arena steps and all oh, that, dude, stuff. that Yeah, Look, <laughs> I was this close to a sparring oh. in the cage when they first set up. <laughs> they didn't have it done yet. But um, I, I think, you know, for me, when you when you love something that much and you got this much invested in it, and I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time and everything because I believe in growing these next up-and-coming superstars and getting them seen. You know, we just crossed over like top five, top ten most watched in football sports ever, and that's behind international soccer. So for me, that's um, I've always listened to the fans and listened to people, and they're telling us that we're putting out good fights, we're putting out good product, they love what we're doing, and they, they keep watching. We're up 75% viewership from one fight to the next.
2: Well, hey, the numbers speak for themselves. C- congratulations, we always appreciate you coming on in, and good luck the rest of the way. Thank, thanks for having me. There he is, Sean Merriman. Come on back, it is the Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio.
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
2: You're listening to The Zach Gelb Show. All right, it is The Zach Gelb Show on CBS Sports Radio. Awesome show so far. Levante David joined us in hour number one. We just had Sean Merriman in studio coming up at 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 5.20 p.m. Pacific. Star defensive player and projected to be a top five, top ten pick in the draft. Jared Verse is going to stop by. And then in the final hour of the show, we'll be joined by the Oregon State quarterback and DJ Uwe Got to give a quick shout out here to my man, the Chief, uh, who I always uh, visit and have some great tailgates with before some Patriot games whenever I make my way up to uh, one Patriot place. He's listening to us right now. The Chief is actually on some vacation there, Hickey. Uh, Northport, Florida. And he said he's uh, picking us up on one of our fine affiliates. So we appreciate him listening to us. And the Chief has a brother. He's a, a former fire, um, a fire chief. And um, he has a brother who owns a bunch of Italian places, Hickey, in Boston. And when we go and tailgate, they bring wings, all homemade. Uh, you know, meatballs, a bunch of pizzas as well, and some of the best booze that you'll ever have. And they'll do the charcuterie, shrimp, all that stuff. Uh, it is a a plus 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 tailgate uh, with the chief uh, in the uh, the Sisson family. So I always do appreciate when they uh, listen to the show and also uh, get me fed as well. There, Hickey.
4: Good nickname. Good. Food setup.
2: It's, <laughs> it's an elite tailgate. They got the tent in freezing Foxborough. We got the, the heater underneath the tent. It's, it's really um, an insane setup. Now I will say this though, this weekend, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Cause we have a massive college football slate this weekend. Like college football is actually back this weekend and I'm figuring out what I'm going to do now. I got to go home Sunday evening after I football And I have to, um, you know, for Yom Kippur and and observance of the Jewish holiday. But I'm kind of thinking to myself, maybe my parents only live like an hour away. Maybe I go home Saturday morning and then do some Long Island eats potentially for all the games and then just get up early Sunday morning, drive back into the city and then drive back uh, right afterwards. It's a lot of driving, I know, but I feel as if I need to be on a couch on Long Island with just access to whatever kind of food that I want. So
4: what, mom can make some food and you don't have to?
2: Well, no, More? I don't even think that. Mom is, is going to a wedding on Saturday oh, night. Oh, wow. But I'm saying, I, I'm feeling a big Italian vibe
4: this weekend. Oh, and you know some good Italian spots. So yeah. it's like you go, you know, old reliable here. I see.
2: Little Buffalo calamar. Get a little rigatoni vaca. Maybe some gnocchi with sausage. There's a few things that are that are up to sleeve for this
4: Smart, weekend. because there's really no break in terms of window you can get out and afford to be away from the TV for even like an hour. 12's loaded, 3.30 Eastern loaded, 7.30 Eastern loaded. Like, it's one of those where it's bing, bang, boom. There's no like, oh, let me go for dinner in an no, hour no, or two no. here. It is truly sun up to, oh, I guess, high noon to sundown. And really high noon to midnight. Locked in
2: because I know this if I stay in the city, I'm going to get dragged somewhere that I don't want to go to and it's going to impact the way that I watch the games. So I think if I just go out isolated on Long Island and, you know, call the local Italian joint 30 minutes before I want to eat, make the 10 minute drive there, 10 minute drive back, maybe dial up the radio a little bit and hear the games. Um, uh, while I'm driving, that will be fine. You could have like a, like at halftime of maybe one of the, the bigger window of games end up doing that. So that's what I'm thinking for this weekend, but big weekend of college football. And it's awesome. You have Ohio state, Notre Dame. You got Oregon state, Washington state. Um, you have also, uh, clearly Clemson going up against Florida state, which, which is a massive game. Uh, these games this weekend, Hickey, this is the first true weekend of, of, uh, college football for us.
4: There is six or I think it's seven. Utah, UCLA. Ranked on matchups, Oregon State and Washington mm-hmm. State. It's going to be one where oh. there's a lot. And hold on. Colorado, Oregon. Colorado, Oregon. Penn State, Iowa. There's Ole like Miss, Alabama. Oh, look at you. Penn State, Iowa. You ranked just throw it ranked. in there. Am I wrong? Ranked versus ranked.
2: Eh. If, you guys, if you guys can't outscore Iowa, I know their offensive coordinator who has the clause in his contract that he has to score 25 points a game this year or they're going to get fired. Did you hear his audio, by the way? Do we have that audio clip uh, handy, by the way, Hickey? Just Not wondering. at the
4: moment, no. We can go grab it here okay. soon. Oh, is Brian Ferentz right? Brian Ferentz, son of head coach Kirk Ferentz. Yeah. Oh, come on.
2: He's he's basically just going after the media and saying to leave him alone after, what, this was the first game I think this year? Where, where they had 25 points, over 25 points. Yeah, Utah State, they scored 24. Iowa State, they scored 20. And I don't even know if any of these were, were defensive scores, too. And then against Western Michigan, you get to go run your mouth because you put up 41 points against them, Hickey? Like, you know, he, he's just setting himself up to fail when they have a 14-point a performance this weekend with McNamara up
4: against my guy Manny Diaz and those Penn State Nittany Lions. It's going to be loud, whiteout, CBS. Place is going to be rocking. Defense is going to be swarming. I hope Brian Ferentz and the Iowa Hawkeyes are ready. It's going to be a madhouse.
2: Can I be real? Out of all these good games this weekend, that's the worst game. Iowa, Penn State. I, I kind of hope that Iowa makes this a game, and uh, Hickey has to sweat it out here, if, if I'm being honest. but like
6: Hickey deserves it.
2: Yeah, he does. Well, we'll get to your football team in just a Dex. second, Dexter Henry.
6: But, but real <laughs> no, quick. No, no, no. Which one? Not the college or the pro?
2: Oh, college, college. Oh, yeah. We don't need to talk yeah, about that. Yeah, your, your college team, man. They didn't even show up to the, the backyard brawl. <sighs> and how about, I don't know who said it, but the the West Virginia player that basically, did you hear what he, he said about Phil Djokovic, the quarterback?
6: No, I did not hear. Oh,
2: he was like, yeah, we knew that guy was a bad quarterback (laughs) anyway. (laughs) Just openly said it. I said, I have not seen honesty like that in quite some time. But you go through the the slate this week in Ohio State, Notre Dame. Uh, You have Oregon State, Washington State. You got even Arkansas, LSU. You have Ole Miss, Alabama, UCLA, Utah, the Buffaloes of Colorado up against Oregon, Florida State, and Clemson. And there is Iowa. And Penn State. Hickey, you know only bad things could happen for you on this game. You know, you go win the game actually 40 to 3. It would be very impressive. But I remember, oh, no, that was Illinois a few years ago when it was the nine overtime craziness. And they extracted their revenge. But, yes, that's oh, right. But it, if this is a sloppy, low-scoring game that you have to grind it out, and I think Penn State's a really good team this year. I think they're better than Ohio State. I don't think they're better than Michigan. Michigan then this turns out to be one of those those games that, yeah, even if you win, it kind of feels like an L, unless you end up blowing them out.
4: You should blow out Iowa. Yeah, I hope they do. I expect they do. I, I don't want a close game. I don't want the the whiteout crowd to be in full effect in the fourth quarter when half of them in the parking lot are already going home. No game. Let's go keep rolling, and let's bring on Northwestern next weekend.
2: All right, let me ask you about your alma mater, Dexter Henry. UNC Pitt. I know uh, Pitt yeah. ended up uh, not having a good showing in, in the backyard brawl. Hickey. I told you about the Hickey Hex. Hickey is talking all positive about Pitt headed into the year. He's kissing your ass. You guys are rubbing elbows. Here's Hickey. Pitt's going to be the most underrated team in the ACC. Watch out for Pitt. And they are one and two. To start off the season,
6: Hickey did give Hickey did give Pitt love. I do remember that, and, yeah. and I appreciated that for him.
2: Well, you should. quarterback
6: stinks.
2: You got to <laughs> follow the rules here. Nine <laughs> times out of ten, when Hickey gives your team love, that's a bad time. Oh, I expe- expect them to be historically bad this year. And and I like Pat Narduzzi over there, the uh, longtime coach over at Pitt. But this weekend, you're going up against Drake May. Wouldn't this be kind of typical Pitt? I do think UNC's going to uh, win the game. I, I, see,
6: I, see, I see where you're going. But here. you lose yes.
2: these last two games. Yes. You look at the spread. All right. UNC's minus seven and a half. I know Drake May is unbelievable. This, I, I'm not going to place money on this game. But if I was, I may sprinkle some, uh, that game some is, dinero on plus game, seven where and a half. It,
6: where is that game? The game is at UNC? At, no, it's at Pitt. Akershire Stadium, which everyone remembers that name, of course. I still call it Heinz Field. As you should. Uh, I kind of like Right, man? You do. I, I'm a little, it's a little yeah. tantalized, but you know what? The quarterback looks so bad. I can't do it. Can't do
2: it. Yeah, especially when Drake Mays is going to be like the, the second or third quarterback taken in the draft. Can't do it. By the way, Hickey, what did you think of Sean Merriman, who was just in with us, who was always awesome when he joins us? I was not, ex- I, know he, I knew he was going to be down on the Chargers, but I really don't believe Dean Spanos in season and the Spanos family in season is going to fire Brandon Staley. I do believe that Brandon Staley's a dead man walking, but I think they'll wait until after the season to fire him. But he was—he basically said, don't be surprised if it happens in season.
4: I hope Sean's right, because I want to see what Cal Moore is, a head coach. Not a oh. good play caller, not not very good in LA so far, but I'm interested to see at least what it, there's been a lot of hype, a man, lot of Boy wonder, Jones loved him for a while, at least, till he kind of let him go out the door. But at least even after a, For three or four games, what is Kellen Moore as a head coach? Now,
2: I'm not giving the offense a pass, but Sean is not wrong. When this defense, which has all this talent, they've been god-awful through the first two games of the season. It's kind of crazy when you have all this talent, why the defense has been this anemic so far. Because he's not wrong. With the amount of points that they scored, Hickey, you would think, I'm not even saying they need to be 2-0, but you would think that they would be able to win
4: one of these games out of the gate, and they ended up losing both. And that's a problem with the Los Angeles Chargers. They're on clutch. I think that's the, the biggest problem is they cannot make the big play when they need. Last week, they could not get a stop on Tua. Down, you know, down late, they go score a touchdown. And then, okay, at least the offense have been having a day. Boom, they go four and out. Right away, sack, intentional grounding, game over. Last week, the the defense lets Ryan Tannehill and Co. march right down the field. Now, to their credit, at least they got a field goal to tie the game. But you get the ball in overtime to start. Three and out. Boom, they march down. Field goal game over. Two games, both the offense and defense had clutch opportunities to step up, neither did. And they have a new defensive coordinator too. I know he was
2: on the staff last year, but you start to wonder if you're going to blame someone and the defense isn't playing well and you're not going to get rid of the coach, the head coach in season, then maybe they end up firing the the brand new defensive coordinator after a few
4: games. As the defensive-minded head coach gets a pass. Yeah, right.
2: Makes sense. At-
4: you're not. Sense. You're not wrong in terms
2: of it doesn't make sense. But when do the Chargers ever actually
4: make sense? That's part of the reason why logic would say Brandon Staley should get fired in season. But like, if I was to bet on it, I'm with you. I don't think he would get fired. Like in you
2: season. have a brand new offensive coordinator, brand new defensive coordinator. So if there's a problem on one side of the ball to start the year, the coach should be the, the head coach should be the one that goes when you've already went through the change coordinators. Now Anthony Lynn didn't get fired in season, but I remember. I was working for Sirius XM NFL Radio. They did make a coordinator change in season. They got rid of the OC, and that's when Shane Steichen got elevated uh, to the offensive coordinator of the Chargers. So, you know, I don't think Staley will get fired in season, but the more and more that you talk about it, it's like, what other choice do they have? Like, if this gets really bad, they lose to the Vikings, let's just say, on Sunday, which we talked about that yesterday. That game feels like it should be a tie, if we're being fair, because both those teams can't get out of their own way. But after that, it's not as if the schedule really gets a nice land. Like you play the Raiders. All right, the Raiders aren't great, but they beat the Broncos. You then play the Cowboys, and then you play the Chiefs. That could get, these next four games, it could get really ugly for a team that has a ton of talent, Hickey.
4: Yeah, it could. And we talked about the season ending this weekend in Minnesota. If they lose, even if they win in their one and two, like I said, those next few games, like we're talking about Two and five? You gotta get to two and two. You
5: and...
2: have to you have to get to two and two. You have to beat the Vikings, you have to beat the Raiders, and then you get the Cowboys and Chiefs. I yeah, you know, I feel like they're always close against Kansas City and never win. And the way the Cowboys are looking right now, uh I don't feel all that confident about that.
4: But if they don't get to two and two, it's gonna get real ugly real quick. And you split against the Vikings and Raiders. Now you're what, one in three. Yeah. And I'm not great at math, but quick math. You would be right. on that. Those two games afterwards, not winning one and five. I mean, mm-hmm. good night.
2: All right. Let me get the state of the Steelers here with Dexter Henry. Cause he is a Steelers fan.
4: Yep.
2: yep. Uh, week one, you know, show at home up against a great team. Week two, both offenses were insulting to offenses in the yes. year of 2023. <laughs> yes, it was. But I'll tell you, I love Alex Highsmith. I love the story of him, and we all know how great T.J. Watt is. The Steelers this year at the end of the season will be what?
6: Probably 9-8 and eight again. Wouldn't shock me. Outside looking in the playoffs? Yeah, I'm going to say because his division is tough. I, I still think they'll fin- I think the offense will get better. I'm also not tripping over Kenny Pickett in the offense. It looks terrible. Well, Matt Canada, he's got to go.
2: Everyone agrees. Matt on that Canada's got to go. I'm, he's got to go. I will go. say that.
6: I do think you have to give some credit and say, look, they played the Browns, which is a good defense. Mm-hmm. We know what the Niners are. They're fantastic. I wasn't tripping over the Niners game. I felt very confident they would win last night. I thought they'd look a little better offensively. They didn't. They've got to get the offense sorted out. So Matt Canada, there's no imagination to the offense. It's
2: it's it's bad. And you have a bad offense, a bad defense that you're playing this week. Yes, the so, Raiders, who so they, they should they, take care of. If they can't put up points against oh, the Raiders. Oh, man. If they can't.
6: If, if Zach, if they don't put up points against the Raiders, they should be packing Matt Canada's bags (laughs) right now. Okay. They should be doing that.
2: It is (laughs) the Zach Gilb show on CBS sports radio. We'll come on back.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5g network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning right now. Families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon. When they switch, visit your local T-Mobile store today
0: our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.
6: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward.
2: Zach Gelb shows CBS sports radio looking at all the Owen two teams in the NFL. Let's separate them. AFC compared to the, the NFC, the AFC, the Patriots are 0 two. They're going nowhere. I, I, I'm sick and tired of people saying, Oh, at least they were competitive up against the Eagles. Oh, at least they were competitive uh, up against the dolphins and got back in the game towards the end. This offense has no talent. Uh, let's just call it this offense does not have enough talent to win enough games in the year of 2023 to be a force. And it's not, it's not even the quarterback. Who's he throwing the football to? And then pop Davis has some explosiveness. He fumbles the ball once and you don't play him the rest of the game. So the Patriots are going nowhere. The chargers at Owen 2. it's not looking bright. We know they have the talent. Let's see though where they are after this Sunday before you write their obituary. The Broncos at (laughs) 0-2. Ryan, care to comment on the uh, state of the Denver Broncos right now? Not dead yet. Oh, no, they're dead.
4: (laughs) They are dead. You think they're beating the Dolphins this weekend? No, but I'll give Champagne their respect maybe for one more more week to hold out hope. I'm drowning right now. I'm swallowing water. Am I ready to call it a, a call it a quits? Not yet.
2: If they lose this weekend, their season's over in terms of making the playoffs. 0-3, oh I
4: would wave the white flag.
2: And you know what? I'm not even saying it's a lock that they lose this weekend. You know, everyone's going to pick the Dolphins. And it's a home game for Miami, so weather could be a factor here for Denver. 1 p.m. Eastern time start going from uh, Mountain Time all the way to the East Coast. You know, weather could be a factor here. There's no doubt about it. But the Dolphins, eh, their offense has been really damn good. Uh, I'll I'll say that. And that's the thing. You look at, it it may be similar to the way the Patriot game played out. Where you will see the difference between what offense looks like in 2023 with a team that gets it and then a team that doesn't. I do think the Dolphins will win, but I think the game could be closer than what people anticipate it to be. The Bengals at 0-2. Here's what I don't like about the Bengals. They have very quickly become too cocky and too overconfident. And I wonder if their hubris will lead to their demise. Like, I'm not panicking about the Bengals because they were 0-2 last year. But those players on the defensive side of the ball ran their mouths before the AFC Championship game and then didn't back it up. And Jamar Chase, who I like, is starting to become insufferable with the ridiculous smack talking that he did leading into the Browns game and then didn't back it up. And I don't know what he said before the Ravens game, but Ravens players went out of their way to to basically made it known that the Bengals offense did not respect their defense heading into this one. The Bengals are a team I think they'll be fine. I think they're still going to make the playoffs. I would still pick them today to win that division because I just don't believe that the Ravens are able to stay healthy, but the Ravens weren't healthy this past weekend, and look what happened uh, they still beat the Bengals, but the Bengals are a team where I just wonder. I'm not saying you shouldn't have confidence; you need confidence in this league. But if their confidence, Ryan, is starting to become a detriment,
4: I don't know if they're. I think the you uh, the word hubris is right because I don't know if their confidence will ever wane or they won't believe how good they are, especially since they kind of dug out of the similar deficit from last year. Yeah, but the execution and the sense of urgency too. Has to improve because you can almost lull yourself into a false sense of security. If like, oh, last year 0-2, so we figured out. Of course, this year we'll figure it out. That level of desperation last year to get out of 0-2 hole has to be magnified times 10 this year. Especially with the third game being on Monday Night Football.
2: Everyone's watching. And you do that where you start to harp on last year. Okay, 0-2, no problem. Do you have that hunger to really not find a way to overlook some things? where last year it was so driven, where this year if you're just resting on what you did a year ago and all oh, you bounce back, it's then how serious you're going to take it for for this upcoming week. Uh, Texans at 0-2, they're not going anywhere. We know that. The 0-2 teams in the NFC. Cardinals, I'll tell you. <laughs> they may be the best 0-2 team. Oh, the, the the 0-2 team that I'm most impressed by. Like They're not going to win a lot of games. They stink. They don't have a lot of talent. But at least... the They've been competitive. I know they choked against the Giants. You know, I had a lead up against the Commanders. But those, neither of those games should have been close. And both those teams had to sweat it out, the Commanders
4: and the New York Giants. They're not laying down. That is for sure. They are not tanking. You know that. Bears are screwed. And they'll be picking a new quarterback next year. And then you look at
2: the Carolina Panthers. I hope they just don't ruin Bryce Young. Because I believe Bryce Young could be a really talented quarterback in this league. But that line stinks right now. And I'm afraid they're going to get him killed. I believe Miles Sanders is an overrated running back and these wide receivers. What wide receivers are he throwing to that really spark some fear in the opposition in the year of 2023 in the NFL? It is Zach Gelb's show on CBS Sports Radio. News brief coming up next. I'll update you on some of the biggest stories in the world of sports with some audio and still to come at 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 5.20 p.m. Pacific. Jared Verst, star defensive lineman from the Florida State football team projected to go in the top 10, top five of the draft. And still to come at 9.40 p.m. Eastern, 6.40 p.m. Pacific. One of my favorite names to ever say. DJ Uyanga Lale, the quarterback at Oregon State, formerly the quarterback at Clemson. It's a whole lot more college football to do. Ton of NFL as well. Overreaction, proper reaction comes your way at 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific as well. But the news brief will be next.
5: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy,